the only thing that matters um, is confession. Evidence is not necessary. Um, and if they do come up with some evidence, it's all fabricated. Um, it's just some statements from some guys that you've never seen and you will never see in your life. And they say that, you know, you did this and you did that, and that's automatically accepted. But the really, the really terrible thing is that they use your family against you. Coming up on British Thought Leaders, I sit down with Marius Barlow to hear his incredible story of being wrongfully imprisoned in China for eight years. Marius didn't see the sunlight for over two years and endured hardships that would destroy many people. China is a minefield. Um, you never know. You just simply don't know when you will step on a mine and it will take your foot or your life. This is what happened to me. Um, I found myself all of a sudden locked up in a, in, a, in a metal chair and interrogated and then sentenced to eight years. His ordeal rekindled his faith, the one thing he says enabled him to survive such harsh conditions. The ground had been swept from under me and uh, sort of instinctively I, I, I held on to that, to, that, to that rope of faith. Not because I was some brave guy who decided to return back to God, like the prodigal son. <laughs> that, that wasn't my case. I held on to that because I had nothing else left. And I told God, I said, do with me, shake me off as much as you want. I'm not going to let go because I have, I have nothing else. Uh, if, if I let go of you, I'm going to go bang my head against that wall and try to kill myself because that's, what, that, that's the state they want to bring you to. I'm Lee Hall. This is British Thought Leaders. Marius Bailo, thank you for joining us on British Thought Leaders. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. It's my first interview in, uh, in, in English. Um, I'm so glad to be here, and thanks for the invitation. You're very welcome. In 2014, you were imprisoned in China for eight years, so you only got out last year. I wondered if you could give us some background of uh, how you got to that point. As soon as I I'd arrived in China, in 2010, I, I, I met a fellow Romanian that was working for a financial institution. They were a loan company. They were giving out loans to different, different businesses. And they had hired him because he was a, a foreigner and he, he could represent a company, be the, be the foreign face in the company. Obviously, it was not his money that they were loaning out. It was the investor's money. But he was, he was the, the director, the person to, to sign these loan contracts. Um, and by, by, by the point I met him, they wanted to have someone else to, to, uh, to assist him. So that, that someone else uh, turned out to be me. I was, I, was, I was really excited at the opportunity. This was uh, once every couple of months, once every six weeks. They would fly us out to Shanghai or some other city and um, we, would, uh, we would take part in these uh, um, contract, contract signing ceremonies. <laughs> And uh, I, was, I was really excited to, to, to be part of it and to, um, obviously, I mean, to, to get out of the city and to, 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 to see a new, new places. But at the same time, the company was, was, was huge. It had a lot of employees, different, different offices. Every, everything was downtown, transparent. Um, I never imagined that there could be some, some wrongdoing there, obviously, with my, <laughs> with my, Western, uh, with, with my Western mindset. And then two years um, after, I, after I, I met them, my, my friend sort of 
moved away from to Hong Kong, and I, I ended up taking his place. And another two years went by, and all of a sudden, after after four years of never having been suspicious of of anything, all of a sudden the the police uh, grabbed us and, and and took us to the into the economic police uh, basement uh, quarters. I was tied to a I was tied to a to an iron chair, couldn't move. I was kept there for 24 hours, and that's. That's when I actually found out what what the problem had been. In 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 some cases, um, they would, although the contract had been signed, the loan contract had been signed, they would not they would not um, transfer the money into the client's uh, account, which is you know customary after about two weeks after you sign the contract, and um, they would come up with some reason not to do that, not to not to give the money, which is. Perfectly fine, because you know banks. Banks can even banks can, can change up their mind, even if you sign the contract. Um, but what these guys did was do not give the money, but at the same time would also not return um, these commission fees that the clients had to pay uh, at, the, at the moment of the signing. Someone complained. Obviously, we didn't we didn't know about it. By that point, there was myself and and a British man, Matt. We were we had identical identical jobs um, in that in that in that company and at the end of the interrogation period at the end of the 24 hours Matt was let go he went back home back to his life and I was escorted to the left and I was taken to the detention house and then to later to prison where I spent a total of eight years. What was life like in, inside a Chinese prison? Well, um, there are there are two parts. Uh, the first part, like I just mentioned, is the detention house. Basically, is the place where you have to wait um, to get sentenced. And in China, this this period can take several years. Usually, it takes about two years. Um, it's very lucky if you get there with just one year. Uh, usually, you have to you have to wait for for two full years just to appear before a judge. Nobody said you're you're guilty of anything. It's just that one police officer that grabbed you and threw you in there, and then and then that that's it. During those two years, you're just thrown into this cage with several other people, usually uh, ten to twelve people in in one in one single cage, and the qu the cage is only twelve square meters. So about one square meter per person, and um, you you can't talk to anyone. At least I, 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 I couldn't talk to anyone. Very seldomly I could I could perhaps see a Pakistani or an Iranian man that spoke some English. Usually it's just Chinese people that are specifically sent there so that you you would have no one to no one to consult with, no one to to speak to, and that's that's terrible because. It doesn't matter what what tribulation you're going through, but if you ha if you have someone to sort of share that with, it, it it becomes easier. But everything that happened in this in this particular cage and in this particular period of time was specifically designed um, so as to wear you down. So you, you couldn't communicate with anyone outside. No, no, not 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 really. Um, you can't write to anyone. You can't call. You can't contact anyone. You're completely removed from the world. You're completely removed and and and, and set down in a in a different reality. 
this is their reality, the reality of the Communist Party and the way uh, it, its justice system works. I don't, I don't even know if it's proper to call it a justice system. <laughs> um, but like I said, everything that happens there is very well thought out and very, 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 very uh, methodically implemented. Just to give you an example, every morning you wake up, 6.30, they shove a, a block of rice through the, through the bars. That's your breakfast. And then you have to sit down for, they call them shanke, which is, basically means class. Um, it's uh, indoctrination periods, propaganda, propaganda hours, where you have to listen through a lot of uh, great, great realization, great, great things that the Communist Party has done for for China and for the world. And you're forced to watch the TV. There's there, there's one TV in in the room. There's no there's no there's no piece of furniture whatsoever. The only thing that exists in that room is is a hole in the ground in the corner, where you're expected to empty your bowels every day. So. As soon as breakfast is over, you chew on that block of rice. Um, this this process of uh, bowel emptying goes on, gets underway, and you're, as, as I said, you're forced to watch the TV, but you're actually forced to watch your fellow sufferers go through the motions because the hole is right under the TV. So you have to you have to watch every single person do that for an hour and a half. There's a uh, there's a system. I mean, you, you you go and use it in order of seniority. The person that's uh, you know been the longest in that room gets to go first, and it's just a really traumatizing experience um, because it, it it forces you to 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 see the ugliness of that of that of that place, and it demoralizes you, and you have to go through that every single day. Um, that's how you start your day. That's your morning coffee, <laughs> having to breathe that in and to, and, to, and, to, and to see that. And if you wanted to use the, the toilet, the hole, without permission, you know, that was a violation. Every time you, you, you wanted to use that, every time you wanted to, 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 to do anything, you had to ask for permission. Um, and if you didn't, that was considered a violation and everyone had to find out and then you would, you would, get, you would get punished for that. It's very interesting how the system works because you know I, I was I was very lucky um, to not have been married or to not to not have had kids. Um, I I met a lot of people there that had had wives and, and children, and some of them were even used against them yeah. because the only thing that matters um, is confession. Evidence is not necessary. Um, and uh, if they do come up with some evidence, it's all fabricated. Um, it's just some statements from some guys that you've never seen and you will never see in your life. And they say that, you know, you did this and you did that, and that's automatically accepted. But the really, the really terrible thing is that, like I said just now, they use your family against you. Um, there are four floors to this building. I was on, on the third floor, which is reserved for people that are awaiting sentencing. Second floor is for people that are awaiting the outcome of their appeal, which is totally useless, um, but some people do appeal. Fourth floor is for females, female prison prisoners, and the first floor is for kids. 
um, sometimes we could, we could hear at night children crying from the first floor because um, when they grab their parents, their dad, or, or their mom, they, 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 they grab the kids as well. And then they tell their parents, um, if you want your kids to go home, you have to sign your confession. And, and I've, I've witnessed people that the, the, the pressure is so intense that, you know, at, in the middle of the night, they wake up and they push that button and they say, okay, I will confess, let, let, let my babies go home. And within, within half an hour, the prosecutor shows up and picks up the, the confession and then you're done. That's it. That's the only thing that's, that's needed, a personal, personal confession. Um, there, are, there are very evil ways that they use to coerce people into doing what they want them to do. Um, they, they specifically don't tell you, don't ever tell you what to expect. So the entire two years that I was there, I, I never knew whether I was going to get released the second day, which is perfectly, uh, perfectly possible, or if I would get sentenced to life or even death. Uh, because uh, the China executes people for financial crimes as well. And you live in this tension during that entire time. It's, 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 it's literally killing you. Uh, I've, I've met people there that, that the pressure was so great on them that they, they, were, they were willing to do anything to just, to just escape from that. So they, they were trying to kill themselves in, in, in different ways. It's, it's obviously, I mean, you can't, you can't just hang yourself um, because everything is very well supervised. Uh, but but some, some people would, would try to just run from one, from one uh, wall of the cage to the other wall with, as fast as they could and bang their head really hard against that, against that wall, hoping by some miracle that they could die from that. They never did. Um, but it shows you, it, it shows how, how desperate people became just to get out of that situation. Um, you never see the light of the sun. I never saw the light of the sun for, for, for two years, two years, three months, and seven days. I was locked up in that cage, only taken out when I went to court. That's it. Um, and during this, this period of time, nobody, Lee, no, nobody ever said that you were guilty or what you deserve. Why would you be punished like that in, in, in such extreme, with such extreme brutality without anyone having said whether you're guilty or not? So obviously, by the time you reach the judge, Everyone is found to be guilty because you already suffered for, for, for two years. And they're, they're not going to backtrack on that and say, oh, we made a mistake. No. The conviction rate is 99.9%. Everyone gets sentenced. So there, 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 there's no rule. Um, of course, there are books, there are law books written about things. But those are just for um, literature, you know, and then in the actual... <laughs> in the actual life, in the, the actual way that, that things work, n none of that matters. It's the, only, it's the only thing that matters is what that, that police officer is going to decide for you. And then he tells the judge and tells everyone else what, what he wants you to, to receive. And the judge just stamps the form and that's that. There's no, there's no real judge, there's no real lawyer. There are people sitting in those chairs to give you the, the impression that this is a, 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 a court of law. But it's just a veneer, you know, it's a veneer and it's, it's, it's a mask, you know, like so many other masks that are there. 
Um, it's just, a, it's just a, a way to try to dupe you into thinking that they have the rule of law. They don't. None of that, none of what happens there is, 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 is just. And not a single person in that entire, in the history of that country um, has ever received a, a fair and transparent trial. So after the two years, you were then sentenced, were you? I was. Um, I was sentenced to eight years, and I was sent to prison. It was, um, it was a relief, Lee. I told the judge that I was not going to appeal, no matter what sentence I will get. And I was being serious. I, I was so tired, so, 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 so incredibly, incredibly sick and tired of that, of that cage that I, I, I had to, 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 to stay for two years, that I, I, I couldn't take another year or two or three until the appeal run its course, because you continue to stay there while, while, while the appeal is, is pending. And I've met an Australian man um, that had been there for three years when I, when I met him. And last time I, I heard from someone that had come from that place, he was still there. So this, this man is waiting on his appeal for almost 10 years. His name is Michael. He's an Australian citizen of Chinese descent. And I, I can't imagine what those eight years did to that man's psyche. I mean, <clears throat> um, I, I know how I felt after two years, um, how, how, how close I was to, 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 just, to, just, to just giving up. I was willing to take whatever I was awarded just to be able to get out of there and, and go to prison. So I didn't appeal, and then soon thereafter I was transferred over to the infamous uh, Qingpu prison, which is just on the outskirts of Shanghai. And I was immediately regimented into the forced labor scheme that the prison uh, was running. And um, it's, it's on a gigantic scale. The building that we were housed was very close to the entrance to the prison. So every single day we could see, just like on a highway, Huge trucks coming in, bringing in work materials, and then huge trucks going out, taking out the finite product. We had about 5,000 prisoners there. The foreigners, the building that we were in housed about 200, 250, give or take. And we never really left that building to go to the factories. Uh, you have to understand the, 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 the dormitories were only a fraction of the, of the entire compound. The vast majority were factories that the prisoners were, were taken to every single day. So you wake up at 6, and then everyone get line, lines up in front of their buildings. We could see this from the windows, um, from our from our building windows. We never went to the factories, but we could see them every morning lining up. And then they, they sing their prayers, um, the praise for the Communist Party, for the great leader, you know, they swear that they're going to stay there for as long as they're needed and they're going to do a, a great job. And then singing, they depart towards the, towards the factories. However, 
the rule is no one is allowed to stay back. No, no, no one's allowed to stay in the dorms. Everyone has to leave. And you have people that are very old or very sick that can't even walk. Lee, they, 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 these guys can't even walk on their own feet. So what they do is right behind the marchers, the guys that are marching and you know singing, going to the factories, they bring this cart, this you know rough cart on four wheels, and they throw these guys one on top of the other on that cart, and they take them to the factory as well. People that are barely barely alive. Um, everyone has to go. No, no, they have to lock the dorms. That's the rule. They have to lock the dorms. So everyone, everyone gets to go. I don't know if they work there or not. I, I have no idea. But it's to see to see that every single morning. It's just so dispiriting. And then the type of work that we did. This obviously, this is uh, something I can I can I can tell you because I I witnessed it. I saw it. Directly, I was even able to smuggle out some of that, some of that set work. Um, we we did a lot of um, promotional stuff. We would glue envelopes, gift bags, um, clothes tags, things like that. Um, for a lot of the, for a lot of British and European and American brands, um, this was not for Chinese companies. This was all for, for Western. For Western companies, all the companies that you will see if you go to the mall downtown London, you know all those all those famous brands. We we did work for every single one of them. Um, different things, like I said, this type of work that involves like manual labor. They didn't put up. They didn't put us into the into the machinery business, which they have in the factories. But that that, that is very is very dangerous, and you know they didn't they didn't want to risk having foreigners. Get injured or, or die, which mm -hmm. sometimes happens with with the Chinese. So, we did this um, every single day, Monday through Friday. We were lucky because the Chinese didn't have a Saturday or a Sunday off. They worked around the clock, except on Wednesdays. Wednesdays were indoctrination days, propaganda days, right? And they have to write. They had to write thought reports, and they had to swear allegiance and watch watch all this uh, propaganda. On Wednesdays. Um, other than that, every single day under the sun, they moved to the factories. They got a day off for the Chinese New Year, and a day off for China's National Day. Uh, the rest of the time, they were working, and they were working 12 hours a day, and they were they were they were doing everything. That's how that's how China's able to make churn things out that no country in the world is able to compete with. Because these people have no rights whatsoever. You don't have to pay them a salary. You don't have to give them insurance. You know they can't organize in unions. <laughs> um, these are just millions and millions of slaves that are being used. So there's every incentive of giving larger and larger sentences, and there is no incentive of releasing them early. Right? You need the you, you need the workforce. So. Just during my uh, during my tenure there, I have literally witnessed how sentences were being doubled. So you were there during the COVID times. Did you notice much difference with that? Um, absolutely. Um, for me personally, COVID was um, was sort of a, a bump in the road because I was on the way to getting transferred back to um, Romania. By the way, I think this is it's, it's something very important that needs to be um, needs to be said. 
um, our, our countries, England, Romania, every country in the world has, has this right under Chinese law to request that they transfer uh, back to their home country the, the, their prisoners under this, uh, under this prisoner transfer law. You don't have to have a specific treaty regulating that. You can just appeal to, to, to this law that was, uh, I think, was voted in 20, 2019 or so. And a lot of the governments, especially the, the French government, are quite adept at, at doing this. They, 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 they bring their, their, their people home. Um, Romania tried to bring me home once my story became public, obviously. Um, before that, there was, there was no, no interest <laughs> whatsoever. But once the story becomes public, then they were, they were sort of forced to act. Right now, uh, Peter Humphrey, whom, whom I believe you know very well, um, and myself were, were trying to help a fellow inmate, a Dutch citizen, Dutch, Dutch citizen of Chinese origin, who um, is, is a scientist and was imprisoned there on fake espionage charges. And the Dutch government sort of um, chose to forget about him. We're trying to raise awareness and trying to, 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 help, uh, to help him get, get transferred um, back, back to Europe. So this is possible. It's possible in the case of uh, British nationals as well. Um, we had a meeting um, at the Foreign Office just two days ago, and we, Peter and myself, we made sure that they understood that this is this is the reality. Um, because so very often um, they will refuse to act uh, based on the fact that there is no specific transfer treaty with with the country with China in this in this case, but that. That's, that, that is not the case. Even without treaty, Romania doesn't have a treaty. And I was, uh, I was w just one step away. Uh, COVID sort of put a, put, a, put a break on that. Right. And then um, by the time the restrictions were lifted, I got very short time left. And I, um, I just, pref I wanted to, to, stay, to stay there the, the, remaining, the remainder of the, of the months, remainder of the time and just serve it there and come home as a, as a free man. But for people that have years left, it's a very important, uh, a very, very important uh, piece of legislation that, that they must, uh, they must take, take, take advantage of. And the government has to initiate that. In, in, in our case, the, the, the British government or the Romanian government. It's not the Chinese that are going to come up to, to say that. Um, however, um, something very, uh, very, sinister, very sinister happened um, after I'd left. I left the prison exactly one year and two months ago, in March of 2022. As soon as I left, they um, came up with these COVID rules, which meant that everyone has to um, be locked up inside their respective cell rooms. Again, we're going back to the, to the detention house uh, rules. So for a full year, everyone was kept locked up in their rooms. Um, you can't you can't move at all. There's there's bunk beds, um, double bunk beds, three on each side, so 12 people in a in a room, and there's hardly any any space left in between the beds. Obviously, there's no space to do any exercise. You you can just either sit on your bed and, and or not. That's that's the only option you have. And th these these guys were kept there for a full year, no phone calls no way to contact anyone and this is i'm talking about prison um, you have specific rights certain rights as a prisoner 
that no one can take away from you. You've been sentenced already. Um, if they use that excuse during the, the detention house time, um, they, they, can't, they can't use that excuse anymore. You have certain rights to be in touch with your family. There was no, there was no, no way to contact anyone. And now that the restrictions are over, I just heard this uh, a couple of weeks ago from, uh, from a prisoner that was recently released. They're moving to forbid phone calls altogether. Right. Before we could make two phone calls a month, um, seven minutes each. It's not much, but it's, uh, at least you, you, can, you can hear the voice of your loved one. Now they're moving, they're moving towards forbidding that. So there, there would be no way for these prisoners to contact the outside world. Um, the, the prison guards could, could, could just put them against the wall and shoot all of them. And nobody would know. Nobody would know for, for, for years. No, no, no one would be able to confirm whether their loved ones are dead or alive. This is just the latest in this, in this vicious game that they started playing just around the time of, of the new leadership uh, in 2013. Everything started getting tighter and tighter, and they were screwing it tighter and tighter every single, every single year. And it, I, I'm, I'm afraid to think of where this, all this will go. It's a, it's a, it's a scary situation. It's a, it's a, it's very scary. What's, what's happening there? I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful and I'm, I'm glad to be able to, to share this story because I believe it's extremely important for people, for people to, to know this. And obviously, the more, the more people know, the, the harder it will become for them to, 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 to keep doing this. Um, but again, it's. Um, it's something that we have to be we have to be aware of. What would you say to someone who's thinking of going to live or work in China, a, a European person? I would say China is a minefield. Um, you never know. You just simply don't know when you will step on a mine and it will take your foot or your life. This is what happened to me. Um, I found myself all of a sudden locked up in a, in, a, in a metal chair and interrogated and then sentenced to eight years. Completely, uh, completely out of the blue. Um, I, I, I know there's this, it's glittering, you know, it's, 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 it's beautiful. It, it, it looks beautiful, nice and shiny from the outside. Um, that's what attracted me to it, you know. the. Um, very, 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 very tall buildings, and the, the opportunity to get a very nice salary teaching English with little, little effort. Being able to afford pretty much everything you wanted, and everyone's, everyone wants to be friends with you. Ch Chinese people are very friendly people, and and I, I love them for that. You know, they're very warm and kind-hearted people. Um, the system should not be identified with the people. Although the system wants that, um, but there is obviously uh, there has to be a distinction made. For instance, here um, in Britain, in every dem democratic country, the, the party exists to serve the to serve the people. So the party is, is below the people. Uh, I come, I hail from Romania, and during communist times in Romania, they were trying to make the party and the people as one on the same sort of level, the party and the people. But in China, it's the other way around. Um, the people are at the bottom, and they all exist for one single purpose, to serve the interests of the party. So 
the party is 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 is, is trying to instill this uh, this this thinking into them and has been has been trying to to do that and um, it's it's becoming more and more dangerous even for us here in, in Europe because the, the tentacles keep extending and extending more and more and um, believe me when I say that we are we are living through very very dangerous very dangerous times when you uh, got arrested and you were questioning your faith did that change once you were imprisoned absolutely um, it was the one thing that helped me survive Lee I, I, I had been running away from God ever since my mom passed away um, and then I found myself almost 10 years eight years later I found myself in this in this place where the, the ground had been swept from under me and uh, sort of instinctively I, I, I held on to that to that to that rope of faith not because I was some brave guy who decided to return back to God like the prodigal son. <laughs> that, that wasn't my case. I held on to that because I had nothing else left. And I told God, I said, do with me, shake me off as much as you want. I'm not going to let go because I have, I have nothing else. Uh, if, if I let go of you, I'm going to go bang my head against that wall and try to kill myself because that's, what, that, that's the state they want to bring you to into that state of desperation. A very interesting uh, story I want to I share with you. After about four months, I was removed from that crowded cell and taken to a cell where, where there was only one man. It was a senior, high-level high Communist Party member, and that, that cell was the VIP cell for him. He was giving sort of the royal treatment. He had one, um, one servant, a young Vietnamese kid who was caught stealing t-shirts even this I mean you know you you catch a kid stealing a 10 pound t-shirt and you give him five years obviously you you're, you're incentivized to do that because that 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 kid is gonna be working in your plant on your plantation for 10 years uh, for five years or whatever you give him so anyways he was there to serve the Communist Party member and we were all each because there was just the two of us we each got our own corner in the room and each of us we only had one book I was sent my mother's prayer book. The consulate had brought it for me in, in Romanian, and I was praying out of that. And the Chinese man had Mao's little red book, and he was praying from that. And uh, we, each of, we each prayed in our respective corners. We prayed to our God for, for deliverance. And I, I was there in that room for almost four years, and I could sort of see where this praying was, was taking us. And he was taking us in, in opposite directions. The, the, more I, the more I prayed, I started feeling a, a sense of peace. Um, un, until one night, I just, all of a sudden, I, I, I said, God, do with me what, what, what you think is best, what you want to do with me. I, I've, I have no problem with, if I'm supposed to, uh, if I should go and get executed tomorrow, that, that's fine. Let, let your will be done. You know, I put my life, I put everything I have in, in your hands. And in that moment, I, I felt an incredible sense of peace. Like this, this huge, gigantic weight had been lifted off my shoulders. However, for, the, for, my, for my Chinese friend, praying from Mao's little red book had kept increasing his anxiety. 
and it increased up until a point where he couldn't sleep anymore. He went like four or five nights um, in a row where he couldn't sleep. He just sat up on up on his blankets. Oh, by the way, we had these pink blankets. That, that was the only thing that we were given when we arrived there, these filthy pink blankets that had been used by countless other people b before us, and they kept getting reused and reused, not never washed. Um, so they were, they were stained with all kinds of... You don't even want to know how they smelled and how they how they were, and that was the only the, the only thing that, that they they gave you, and it was, it was so nasty that you know you you'd rather not not use it at all, just sleep on the on the floor, uh, but you couldn't. You had to use the blanket. Everything had to be uh, very nightly, neatly uh, arranged for the cameras to, um, because they they kept telling us that um, these cameras they go all the way to Beijing, President Xi Jinping can can watch these cameras. Uh, whenever he wants, so ev everything has to be uh, perfect in case he, he decides to, to do that. And he had put away uh, some of his uh, former uh, enemies, and uh, I guess he, he liked to, you know, watch how they, how they were uh, doing, you know, how, how their life was in prison. And they, they kept repeating this, that this, this can be watched all the way up to Beijing. Everything is connected. Everyone's chained together, right? Everyone is chained together. So. That's how we were. We were all chained together in this in this in this system, and once it grab grabs hold of you, it never lets go. It never lets go. There's every like I said. There's every incentive to just increase your your time there because you're 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 a pawn in the in the in the in the money producing uh, uh, scheme there. So how did you feel when when you got back to Romania? Oh, Lee, I. Um, I was exhilarated, exhilarated to, to be back. I was so incredibly happy. And at the same time, I, the last couple of years before I got released, I started feeling this, literally, this physical energy that had been building up inside me all along. Because like I said, you can hardly move there. But you do create this energy that you would under normal circumstances, you would spend every single day because you wake up in the morning, you go to the store, you go to the bank, you come, you do your job in the evening, you have a drink, you go back home, right? So you, you spend that energy. But I couldn't. All I could do is go, go down two to, uh, flights of stairs and go back up two flights of stairs. That was it. So all this energy kept, getting, kept building up inside me. And I could, I could hear some of, the, some of the guys that are you know, close to their release date, they were, they were talking about how they were going to spend that. And 99% and of them would say, oh, this, as soon as I get released, I'm going to buy a bottle of scotch, and I'm going I'm to buy a pack of cigarettes, and I'm going to visit a couple of girls and start, start doing drugs, start gambling, whatever, you know. And that's, that, that's fine. I'm, 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 I'm not here to, to judge that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a way to spend that energy, but it's a, only you enjoy it. You know, it's a very egoistic way to, to, to spend that, that hard-earned energy that, that you've gained from there. So I said, this can't be it. I gotta, I gotta find something else, something that it's not just me who benefits from. So I asked God to, to, to give, me a, give me an idea, and I, I immediately stumbled upon this idea that once I, once I get back, I should go on, start on a pilgrimage, go on a pilgrimage and walk with my own two feet, walk one kilometer, for each day that I was unjustly uh, kept in that in that in that prison, so eight years amounts to 2,922 days, and I walked for 2,922 kilometers. I set out on this pilgrimage. It was a was a months long uh, plan. 
I wanted to visit all the prisons in Romania that had that people were kept during communist times, political prisoners and others tortured and killed. So I set up the pilgrimage to visit all these all these places. Basically, I went I went across Romania. Just to give you an idea, um, 2,900 kilometers is from London all the way to the Republic of Moldova <laughs> on the border with Ukraine. Um, and I did that. It took me almost six months, uh, about 25, 30 kilometers each day. On Sundays, I would rest. I would go to church and have a, have a, have a, day, of, a day of rest. Uh, I had to stop at some point because my, my left knee started hurting me. Obviously, I mean, I haven't, I haven't walked at all almost in eight years, and all of a sudden I walked 2,000 kilometers in just a, just, a, just a couple of months. So I, I waited that out. I, I, I didn't walk for a month. I, just, I was in a, in a motel somewhere, where, wherever I ended up, and I just stayed there. After a month, I, I picked up again. So I had left Cluj, my hometown, on June 29, exactly one year ago, and I got back December 1st. It was already snowing outside, and uh, our friend Peter Humphrey um, had come to had flown to Cluj to meet me for that for that joyous occasion. So that's when I that's when I met Peter. Can you talk to us about the significance of the route? So you were going between the communist era prisons and labor camps. Was this kind of matching with the the Communist Party prison you just escaped from? Actually, there were a lot of similarities. Um, both Romania and China had, had taken a lot of advice from Soviet communists. For instance, this detention house that I, I, I was kept in, in, in the heart of Shanghai, this building, was built in the 1950s by Russians who had, who had come up with this, with this system where um, everything is organized as if you were, you were living in a train. The cell, the cell rooms are one after the other, and they, they go in a row, in one gigantic row, and you always get this feeling that you're, you're traveling somewhere on a train. It's just that you never arrive <laughs> anywhere. You just, you, just, you just keep going into, into nowhere. So I, I could see this in, in Romania, and I could see, a, of course, a number of other things that were, that were, that was, Some experiences that I've had were, were too hard to imagine. Um, I, I, was, I was never abused physically. Um, the torture that I was under during the two years and then the, the following six was always psychological torture. Uh, in Romania, um, they used physical as much as psychological. And this was being used in, in, in China as well, just not on foreigners. Because foreigners always had a venue to, 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 to complain, perhaps get a call from the consulate or get a visit. So they, would, they never touched me. Um, I, I don't think they ever touched uh, any foreigners that I've, I've spoken to there. But the, the torture was, was there. Because simply not, not being able to know when this torment is going to end, that, that it kills you. Um, and all the other, all the other things that are that are happening there, especially now, since everything gets gets screwed up more and more and more. Um, they, 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 like I said, they can't contact anyone. They can't get any books. For me, the books were 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 the salvation, because I was able to read. I, I found books that had been left there. Peter left a number of books there that I, I 
personally saw there and I read. So you read a book and then you feel that your day hasn't been lost. You haven't, you haven't lost that time. You've, you've done something with it, you know, in the little time that you have in between forced labor and all the other things that are, that are happening there. But you also feel that you're, you're, you're doing something constructive. Nowadays, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't exist anymore, you know. So you, you, you take that away from people. And then they, the plan is to reduce them to the same level um, with, the, with the Chinese prisoners, which, like I described to you, they go to work every single day, and, and there's no end to that. So, yeah, this obviously brought up some dark memories for the Romanian people. What, what reaction did you get from people when you were doing your pilgrimage? Oh, it was, it was such a special time, Lee, because when you are on a pilgrimage, you're, you're not a tourist. You're in you're in someone's employ, right? And when you're in God's employ, then sort of God, God undertakes to take care of you and to, to make sure that you have everything you need. So whenever I was thirsty, a car might stop on the side of the road and give me a bottle of water or something to eat. Or on, on several occasions, people were asking me, a lot of people see you on the side of the road traveling with the staff, and uh, they immediately want to know, what, what's your deal? What, what are you doing? So you tell them that, and then they are immediately touched. And a lot of people housed me, a lot of people fed me, uh, people would, 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 would try to care for, for whatever needs I had. Although I kept telling them I, I don't have that many needs. I'm just, I'm just going on the side of the road. I'm not doing anything, you know. Um, so that would require a lot, of, a lot of support. But people felt encouraged by that, and, and some, some, some people even joined me. On the on the pilgrimage, I had I had companions, and then when you have companions, time passes in a in a different way, you know. Um, it's also very nice when you're alone. Uh, you have you have time, and for me, this was an incredible period because for eight years I was always surrounded by people. I, I never had a moment of peace, you know. Like for instance, you want to you want to go home tonight, and you want to just unwind for 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 half an hour in peace, over a glass of wine, or uh, I never had that. You know, I was always under constant threat, not physical. I was never touched. I was never hurt. I never lived with this fear that someone will try to um, hurt me or rape me or do something like that. Um, the system is, is very, uh, very, very, very severe on that. Um, so I, I never had that, that fear. But at the same time, I was never at peace. You're always, that's not your home. You know, you, 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 always, you always have to be very aware of everything. You can, you can never sleep in peace. You know, you always have to, you know, have the back of your head, the eyes uh, must, be, uh, must be open. So I was longing for this, for this period of, of, of peace, and I found that during the, during the pilgrimage. And that was, that was great. It really brought, it brought this closure, the closure that I needed, and the, and the start of a new, of a new moment, in, in, of a new... I, I can see that now. I've, I've, I've already been one year out, and it's a, it's a different world, and the way it's getting set up, uh, I can understand there was a purpose. There was a purpose for the eight years. There's a purpose for it now. There, there, there was a purpose in this in this meeting that we're having here here today. Everything is well thought out, and it's 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 for our own good. You know, if we don't go against against that divine will. <laughs> when you arrived back home at the end of your pilgrimage, you, you had quite a special welcoming ceremony. Absolutely, I I, I had arrived in the same place that I left from. Mm. 
And during this time, I, I kept a, a Facebook account, and, and people could follow my exploits, and uh, I, I would post photographs several times every, every single day, and pe people could, could travel with me. Some, like I said, in person, some would just travel virtually. So I built up quite a, quite a, quite a group of, uh, dynamic group of friends, and, and some of them uh, decided to come to Cluj at the end of the pilgrimage to, to, to share in this, in this joyous moment with me. Uh, not just people from Cluj, uh, the, some of them came from the other end of the country. I was so surprised to see this huge group of people that were waiting for me um, to, 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 end, to return back home. One of them was Peter Humphrey. We're, we've already mentioned him. He flew in from London to be with me on that, on that joyous day. But several, several other people, um, not just from Cluj. Uh, there were people from all over the, all over the country, people that I met al along, along the way and people that were touched by that and wanted to share this, this moment with me. So. It was it was so touching to see to see this 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 huge group of people, a few hundred people, um, wait wait there for me uh, for that for 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 that for that moment of when the circle was finally uh, finally completed, and uh, I'm I'm ex extremely humbled by that. Um, I'm I'm thankful to God for for. Um, Taking care of me, I was I was I was never sick in in prison during the eight years. God forbid you get sick, you don't get any treatment. I saw two guys die of cancer in front of me, one Canadian and one Colombian. Um, they were never given any any specific treatment, any cancer treatment, just just painkillers so that they don't they don't shout in pain at night. That's it, nothing else. So, this is this is for them. This is for for the people that have had have suffered, and people that don't have a voice. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really incredibly humbled and, and blessed to, to be able to um, spend these days in, in London and to, to, to tell this story. Um, this, this story needs to be heard. Uh, it needs to be heard by the politicians. It needs to be heard by the, by the business leaders. You know, it, it's so sad and dispiriting to see our great European leaders race each other as to who's going to go there and kiss the ring first. It's it's unfortunately we don't we don't understand that that system. It's only someone who had who had lived on the inside for a number of years that really understands. Um, I lived in Beijing for four years. I never knew this was happening. I never knew this was possible. I never even dreamed it. You know because it's it's a bubble, especially for foreigners. It's a bubble that you live in with all the glitz and all the all the nice things around you. So. Only, only when you when you're forced to to spend it on the inside, in the belly of the in the belly of the beast, mm. only then you you truly understand what what it means. So I'm incredibly grateful for this opportunity to be able to share the be able to share the story. And I think each every single every single person needs to hear this. Um, this is especially in this in this in this geopolitical context, especially in the day that we're we're living in. This this has to be told. It has to be heard. And, and people have to be aware of it. Perhaps they don't—they don't have to act on it immediately, but they have to know that this is this is what's happening there. It's not the glitz. It's not the the shiny new diamond that you see uh, being advertised. <laughs> it's a fake. It's a flawed diamond. And most people who've been through your experience would be in, in quite a dark place now, but you—you you seem rejuvenated and full of energy. What, what are you going to do next? Um, I'm—I'm I'm just. I, I live as if this was my first day of freedom. Um, I was 
I was afraid that this 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 joie de vivre will will end at some point, but it doesn't. I, I, I keep feeling it every, every single day, and it's, it's an incredible blessing. I, I just completed um, writing a book. I finished my pilgrimage in, on December 1st, and um, since then, during the spring, I, I, I started writing, and I, I just finished, finished the book. It's going to get published in, um, in September. I want to translate it into English right away by myself um, to make sure I, <laughs> I, I catch all the nuances. And um, right now, I'm... I'm, I'm incredibly uh, blessed to have been invited um, to, to London and to have been invited to, to the Parliament to meet with, with a number of politicians to speak uh, before the Human Rights Commission of the Conservative Party, uh, to speak at the Henry Jackson Society, um, to meet, meet with, uh, with many members of Parliament um, and to, sh to be able to share this, this story. So I think, um, I think it's a great first step. I think there's uh, there's a lot that 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 needs to be done, and I'm I'm really grateful that I, I have this energy, and I'm 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 willing to 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 tell this story. That apart from Peter and myself, there's no one else, no other European or American that I know of that 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 is willing to come out and 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 say say it say these things. Um, this is understandable up to a point. You know, people want you know want to forget. Uh, people are in pain of, of, over what happened. Like I said, not a single person has ever received a fair and transparent trial. That's just the reality. Nobody has. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad that I, I, I was able to um, to um, to meet Peter, and, and and together with him and with with Ben Rogers and other other um, other wonderful people that have uh, helped us along. Um, to, to be able to share the the story, and I look forward to further um, to further opportunities. And um, the, the more people find, find out, I think it, um, the, the more awareness we'll be able to raise. And this is the most important thing. Marius Paolo, thank you for joining us on British Thought Leaders. Thank you. Thank you very much for the, for the invite. And I, I look forward to um, seeing you again. <laughs>